0: everybody. Grab your Bible and pencil and a journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on our conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. Esther chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. That night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and to read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed Bikitha and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Exodus. "'What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this?' the king asked. "'Nothing has been done for him,' his attendants answered."
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara. I am Dot's daughter, and we sit down together every week, and we talk through truth and scripture, and we are continuing to talk about the book of Esther in this episode. And I just love—I really love Esther, and we really dive into three main principles that I will just go ahead and spoiler alert tell you now, but we dive into divine intervention, how evil doesn't win, and God's redemption so I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too so we would love for you to pull up a chair and join in our conversation hey Kara here is Esther part two which is so funny because we did not expect to do two on Esther That's right. and here we are here we are there's just so much as we said last week hmm So much to discuss. And, you know, a lot of it,
0: we can just say, oh, that's Esther and that's her life. But we don't want to just look at Scripture and not learn from the lessons and things that we've learned from, you know, the book. And we know that God, as you said last week, it's not even mentioned here, but God uses Esther's life and Mordecai in such a way to fulfill his promises to the Jewish people and so here we are and uh, we're seeing a lot of bad actors and we're seeing uh, <laughs> bad actors. hatred yeah we're ha- seeing hatred you know for the Jewish people uh, racism yeah. and we're seeing a plot to you know overthrow um, the Jewish people and you know just a lot of things that we're seeing things happen to God's people, and if we're not careful, we'll think, oh, you know, God's not paying attention or God doesn't care about His children, but He does. And as we finished last week of just being able to stop and look at our lives as as followers of Jesus and know that God is on His throne and God is working mm-hmm. in our lives. And so, you know, we're not necessarily need to pick up right where the King, you know, calls in and, you know, starts reading the chronicles of his life because there's some other things that Hammond, you know, had done to really brag about what was going Wait, so you happen. don't want to start there? We can start there. But, you know, I just oh. think it's funny how Hammond, you know, starts bragging to his wife about, oh, you right. know, he's so prideful.
1: Yes. Like he's like, oh, I'm going to hang, I'm going to build like this huge gallows. I'm going to hang Mordecai. Basically, I'm going to win, you know, I'm going to take care of this guy and all the Jews, you know, like I, he was really feeling, I mean, he really feels like he's in control. He even feels like he's in control of the king because he feels like, oh, I got the king to sign the signet, which for those who don't know, you know, Haman getting the king to sign the signet to say, you know, we're going to annihilate the Jews he can't take that back. Like, it was signed with the king's ring, which means, yeah, it can't be reversed. Like, it can't be taken back. So it is quite the predicament. And Haman really did do a good job at seeming like, you know, evil is definitely going to win in this situation. Because it, I I mean, even reading it, <laughs> I know what's going to happen. And I'm reading it thinking like, what is it, what is God going to do? Like, how can, like, he can't, like, I know that, I mean, God is obviously over governments. He is over everything, but... God is also, you know, He sets up like the systems. So, you know, God's not mm-hmm. like He. How is He going to, like, how is this going to go down? It's as if you're saying, "Is a law like like this is well, like yeah how it He's has, gonna, this gonna, ha- gonna yeah God's yeah. not gonna God's not gonna break the law, is He? <laughs> Basically, but yeah, it's just a uh, the bottom line is it's it's an impossible situation that the Jews are in. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like that there is no way out of this. And you know, that's not the first time, you know, that is not the first time the Jewish people are in a situation that God, unless God comes through, they're, they're sunk. Right. And so, and I think, yeah, going back to like Haman definitely feels like he's on top because he got the king to sign this without even really, I mean, the king just like signed it without really putting much thought into it as it seems based Mm -hmm. on how the story is told. We don't know, but, and then, yeah, so he's like, oh great, I'm going to get, I've gotten this edict. To go against mm-hmm. the Jews, and now I'm going to like build this huge gallows for Mordecai, you know, the one who he really hates, and he's just feeling
0: he's only really feeling good about himself really because, his pride
1: is really getting pumped up, yeah,
0: yeah, because he's got invited also to the king's dinner, that uh, oh Esther, yes, that Esther yeah. had, you know, is kind of playing into Esther's hands. but Mordecai, out of his pride and thinking he's in control. As thinking that he's like the only one that's going to be there, and you know, um, they yeah. just embody his
1: favorites, yeah, right. There's never a moment where Haman thinks maybe I'm in trouble, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> that never has crossed mm-hmm. his mind. So, um, and take um, yeah. he lest
0: you fall, and take is what right. I say because again, God's gonna be faithful to his word, he said he's gonna protect mm-hmm. um, the Jewish people, and then you know again we we'll go back Esther called everybody to fast we really prayed um that cuz it went hand in hand we knew that Mordecai was very faithful to God and i know that we can say that we'll be faithful to God and sometimes things don't turn out the way we should and i think when we're faithful to God and we know that we're doing what we're supposed to do there comes a a view or a heart that is like Esther's. If I perish, I perish. You know, I'm going to be faithful. You know, so what Daniel did is like, I know that God can rescue me out of this, I understand. But even if it does, I'm not going to bow. Well, I think and, uh, it goes
1: back to remembering this is God's story. Yeah. So God is going to accomplish. And that's what Mordecai, you know, we touched on this last week. That's what Mordecai is saying to Esther of like, he's going to spare his people mm-hmm. in some way or another because I know, what he has promised since the beginning and that has to spare and protect his people, the Jews. So I know that this is God's story. I don't know how this is going to play out. And so I think that's like something that's important is like, yes, God in his grace is allowing Esther and Mordecai to be a part of this plan. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it really had nothing to do with like, whether Mordecai or Esther is going to be a part of it. God's going to do, God's going to do this because that's what God was God's will. And I mm-hmm. think that g- kind of goes back to what we've talked about so many times before of how do we know God's will or, you know, is God's will going to prevail and all that? It's like, well, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, we may not how know how, how or when. So I think, yeah, like that's one thing to keep in is God's story is going to, it's going to prevail. Yeah. Which brings us to the point of that immediately we're going to see
0: it looks as if Haman is in control, but God begins to really work. Now, we saw God's hand just by the fact that he put Esther in this place. We saw God's right. hand, and you know, how that even with the queen, we can go all the way back to the queen refusing to not go in, you know, in front of the king and his men. But now we really see a, a really even a more, well, miracle is a miracle, but we really see God really intervening now because all of a sudden. The king, he couldn't sleep. And well, uh, so
1: this is my one of my favorite parts of the story mm-hmm. because there are two things that over my life I have struggled with in fighting to believe with the Lord, and mm-hmm. it is seeming like he's not doing anything and believing that he is working behind the scenes, and the other thing is trusting his timing. Mm-hmm. And I think what plays out in chapter six of Esther is such a, I mean, it is the Lord's timing. It's like Mm -hmm. all over it, you know, it it is so like the fact that Esther, you know, waited three days Mm -hmm. says to them, you know, she goes to the King and says, Hey, can I have this banquet? Like she's even patient in that. She's Mm -hmm. so, she's so patient and how she is in walking with so much wisdom and, confident she's just right. treading yeah she's like treading lightly mm-hmm. but not like in a hesitant way just mm-hmm. like in a confidence way yeah right. um but yeah and so the night before this banquet where Esther's going to go before the king and you know mm-hmm. ask to spare her people and to out Haman basically for the evilness that he is the king can't sleep which I have thought about this so many times in my life. Once God, I think it was probably over 10 years ago that the Lord showed this to me of how the Lord can use us not sleeping at night Mm -hmm. to accomplish his will. Like Mm -hmm. he can't sleep. And, you know, he's basically wanting a bedtime story from his servants. Mm -hmm. So he's like, hey, let's bring in, you know, they write down, I mean, it's the Chronicles. We have first and second Chronicles in our Bibles. So it's, let's just read to me the accounts of my kingship. (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> it was tell me so all great. that I've done. <laughs> yeah, tell me all the great things that I've done as I've ruled. And so they do, and they happen, obviously it's not a coincidence, but they so happen to read about Mordecai sparing the king, you know, for the men that were plotting to kill the king. And he realizes, like, wait, I haven't done anything for this, for this man, have I? And so, and that's where I really think is the climactic turn in the story. Mm-hmm. And it starts with him not sleeping. Like, that's Mm -hmm. how in the details the Lord is. Right. Like, and that's how, it kind of gets me chills just thinking about it. Because, like, he uses that to turn his heart. You know, like, I, I do think that, I think that the Lord had the king's heart softened toward Esther to begin with because Esther went to him to even request a banquet and he complied to that. But I feel like with this part of the story where he's not sleeping at night, like don't discount, you know, like those moments, like, I don't know, they could look a thousand different ways, but I just feel like the Lord has brought this up so many times of like, I can do, I can turn people's hearts. I can turn a situation, you know, at the Mm -hmm. blink of an eye and I can use the most simplest of things of, you know, a man not being able to sleep at night to bring something to his memory. You know, like, it's just like what the Lord, like I can use anything at any time. But in the perfect timing, like I can turn a situation. I can turn a man's heart. I can, I can accomplish can my will. can change the situation whenever, immediately. Yeah, I can change the situation.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, you're talking about God's timing. And, you know, this was, you know, a couple of years had passed before Mordecai, you know, is now going to be honored for what he did. So, I mean, Mordecai was like, Thinking, I saved the king's life, and now I want him to. Oh save yeah, mine. like a couple
1: years ago, yeah. right?
0: And so now timing, he can't sleep. Right, it's and, like the
1: mm-hmm. right. It's the timing of the night before the banquet. Like if it hadn't right. have been, you know, and even like the timing of it seeming like evil's going to win through Haman. Right. You know, like he mm-hmm. is allowing, like God is allowing Haman to kind of get to like his peak of, <laughs> of pride, pride yeah. and evilness. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like he. God's coming through at the eleventh hour is mm-hmm. kind of what it seems like. And I it's not like God is like, "Oh, I got to go save the situation." But I think that is so many times how the Lord works is he comes through at the eleventh hour so that we know it's him and so that mm-hmm. all of the pieces are in play for it to work out perfectly and for mm-hmm. it to not just for our sakes, but for the greater of his redemption story.
0: You know, I think too, what what you're saying is, had Mordecai been awarded when he did it, then, you know, that would be the normal situation. But
1: he wasn't. Yeah.
0: He wasn't. And so now, at the perfect time, God uses what we think as people, like if if I was Mordecai and and that had happened, and i knowing that Hammond is taken all this credit and taking a position in the king's, you know, place. And it was because Mordecai had uh, told who was going to kill them. And they, you know, got, they killed the two guys that was in the king's court. And then Hammond takes that position. And so you could almost look at that situation, humanly speaking, and thinking, I protected you. Now I need you to protect me Instead of thinking this is how God is using what seemed to be a situation where Mordecai had been forgotten for doing what was the right thing, now God is taking that timing and putting it to where God was going to be most glorified. Because if Mordecai had been, you know, uh, applauded for his behavior at that time, that would just be normal. That would have been right. what should well, happen.
1: Where now, yeah, it's gone over time. It's almost like God is. <laughs> Like two birds with one stone Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's like he's accomplishing Haman, getting what he deserves, you know, being outed. And he is eventually hung on the gallows that he was building for Mordecai. So there's that, you know, twist in the story. Mm -hmm. And, but there's also, yeah, the honor and the vindication for Mordecai. There's, you know, not to spoil the ending, but Esther comes through and the king Mm -hmm. says, okay, what do we need to do to save your people? And they end up. You know, creating mm-hmm. another edict so that the Jews can fight for themselves. And so there's just, there's yeah, there's all the things at play. And I think, because who knows? I think this is kind of like what Mordecai saying. Like, who knows? But if Mordecai had been honored earlier, yeah, like maybe, I just think there's something. And I don't know what it is, because just because of the way the story plays out. But I think that there's something when the king realized that this man wasn't honored.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like there probably was a softening in his heart for some reason. Well, of because course, he would have been
0: killed. So he's like, "Yeah, you know, why did I do anything?" And he said, "No, but right. all of that is that divine in, intervention that you're talking about." And I think had it happened before, what would you know?
1: Well, may, who no, we don't know, we but don't know. yeah, it may not have, it may not have played out the same way. And I don't think it would have played out the same way, or it would have happened before. You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like it had to happen this way because I think Mordecai's faithfulness of not bowing
0: to the king, Mordecai's faithfulness to God. I think God is honoring and blessing Mordecai's faithfulness. And had Mordecai been awarded and appraised and applauded for his behavior back then, they would have been applauding him, which was for not killing the king. Now we know at the end of the story, Mordecai is honored by the Jewish people to this day. Uh, and they had this Feast of Purim that they had that celebrated how God protected the Jewish people. And Mordecai is put on a pedestal, and not in a way that he was worshiped like, you know... Uh, he just was king, honored, yeah. But he was honored by the Jewish people. So Mordecai is now being known and applauded for his faithfulness to protect God's people, where before he would have been known as protecting the king. And I think mm-hmm. that God... Wants a higher purpose. I mean, yes, Mordecai did the right thing by, you know, exposing someone that was going to assassinate the king. But when we're talking about a higher picture, I think God wanted Mordecai to be honored and blessed and a rewarded for his faithfulness to God. And so yeah. now we see that he's rewarded for saving the Jewish
1: people. Right, and he's placed at a higher position in the king's house, right. um, and I think it all—it's such a good reminder too of when we have been wronged. I mean, Mordecai mm-hmm. was wronged right. by Haman, and the king a little bit. I mean, obviously God used yeah. it, but I mean, he should have been honored when he mm-hmm. when it all happened or whatever, and it would have been so easy for him to have you know turned into bitterness. But I mean, and we don't know how Mordecai was walking through those years, but we the little bit we do see. I would venture to guess that he just had a steady faithfulness, like he knew like he did almost like he didn't need it, you know what I mean, like it doesn't seem like like he's not trying to be vindicated, he's not trying to prove anything. He's just like living his life, mm-hmm. he's trusting the Lord and then letting God vindicate him and letting God do what god does um and God always vindicates us better than we could vindicate ourselves,
0: I think Mordecai. Is being more faithful to God over all the years through the entire story. And I think that that's the bigger picture. I think he really wasn't that concerned about having the kings, you know, for himself. or for himself because of where immediately he sees that uh, Haman is going to kill the Jews and is mad at the Jews. But it, it started by Mordecai's faithfulness not to bow and to worship only God so Mordecai was faithful to his to his God and to God Jehovah and God blesses that and, and we don't always see God blessing our obedience but that's exactly what's happening. It looks like often evil as, as you said you know divine intervention happen and evil doesn't win in this situation. that's two points that you brought up. And the fact is, we often think that because we're in this world, evil is winning. It looks like evil is winning, but the story's not over with. And I think a lot of times when we're being, you know, misunderstood or we've been misjudged or we've, you know, been used or, you know, we feel like, you know, we've tried to be obedient and it's fallen in our face or we haven't done what's right, and so the one we're trying to be obedient, and the one that wasn't trying to be, it looks like they win. And I think it's just a reminder, evil doesn't win. The story's not over with. Our story's not over with. God's not through with us yet. And I think, you know, as you were saying, timing is everything. And here's this king, he's sleeping. Who would have thought? If you're writing this story, would you even write that in there? And so right. it's just, it's a God story of, of the fact that God was like, you know, I'm gonna use a sleepless night to start showing the world that the Jewish God is a one and true only God. Basically it's mm-hmm. what that is. And evil does not win.
1: Right. And then and like I reference, you know, the king obviously his heart is to softened toward the people, mm-hmm. toward the Jewish people, and, you know, says, Let's first I mean they hang, hang they hang Haman, so he gone. Mm-hmm. And then (laughs) to (laughs) deal with the edict, you know, they can't reverse it, but God still reverses the situation, which is crazy. Like I was saying earlier, like God's not going to, is he going to break the law? But he doesn't Mm -hmm. because he just, they just, you know, they make a law to where basically the Jewish people can defend themselves and they Mm -hmm. can fight back. And they do. I mean, like we see so many times in the Old Testament when you know, his people went to battle and they trusted him, they always won. And that's exactly what happened. Like, and I love how it says, it's in chapter nine, what verse is it? Oh, the first verse. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but it just says, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The -hmm. Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. And I love that because like, there's just so much there's just so much even in that one little part of like the same the day that was supposed to be their end was actually the day that God allowed them, like the reverse happened. God allowed win. the Jews to win. And it didn't seem possible. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, and I think
0: that's when we really know God's doing it is when he does the impossible because he is a god of impossible. And you know, I was thinking, I bet you've heard me say this a thousand times, and I bet you've said this a thousand times, that we reap what we sow later than we sow and more than we sow. And I think that that's what this is, is it looks like when uh, evil wins, it looks like, you know, here's Mordecai and Esther really trusting God and being faithful to them. And and everything is looking as if Mordecai is going to die and that the Jewish people are going to die. I mean, Mordecai had to walk beside them, you know, taking that uh, gallow and building it and watching it. Esther may have heard the hammering and stuff, but Mordecai is watching it. And Mordecai knew, unless God comes done, you know, in here, I'm just done. And, you know, Mordecai could have, you know, had this opinion of, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've been faithful. And yet, look how God's turned this on me. And yet, he doesn't mm-hmm. have that, I don't believe, that mentality because he immediately goes to Esther and say, Esther, you need to go and tell M- Mordecai. Somehow, God had put into uh, Mordecai's... Ma- he said, I know so they didn't. Yeah. I feel like he didn't because I feel like he went to Esther and said, you need to go you know, to uh, the king because God can turn this around. And so, he wasn't thinking that he... You know, all things were lost, and that God wasn't listening to him. God had not paid attention. And I think, you know, Kara, you have written on your little paper uh, in the Bible those three things, and and you you need to read them because I think oh. they're huge.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it is throughout the whole story, but there's divine intervention, evil doesn't win, and God's redemption. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and I love that
0: because oh. I think <laughs> I think that's our story. I think that's our lives. I think as followers of Jesus and people have given their lives to the Lord, we can look at the world and we can think we're not winning; evil's winning, and mm-hmm. we need to know that that God does want to intervene in our lives, even if it's our personal lives, our lives of our country, the lives you know in our church, in the body of Christ. God is going to intervene. God's word is going to be fulfilled, and God's promises and the character and the providence of God and the power of God and the sovereignty of God, all of that's going to come through. Evil does not win. And I think that's what the cross is all about. I think the cross was like, God, you know, won. Uh, I think that's what the resurrection was about. And so I think, you know, as we think about our lives and what we're going through, it's very easy sometimes to feel sorry for ourselves, to feel like, well, I'm just trusting God and God's not doing things or I'm, you know, trying to be obedient. Everybody else goes and lives the way they want to, and it looks like they're winning. It looks like their lives are more, you know, they seem to be happier, you know, even with doing the wrong thing, and that's not true. And I think we can sometimes get deceived in that. You know, Hammond really thought he had, you know, had it all together. He was bragging to his wife and, and everything that he was, you know, going to Get the road. he's in control of the situation, mm-hmm. yeah, and and the very thing just totally turned it around. God just totally turned it around
1: on him, and I think that's what God wants to do in our lives as well. Yeah, it's like you said, it's this, it's the whole story of mm-hmm. God turning everything around, like completely on its head. And we don't know how He's going to do it. We don't know when He's going to do it. And even when it seems like there's no way that He can do it, He there's always a way. He always, he. always There's always a way, yeah. There's a lot of hope in that.
0: And I think a lot of hope of it, too, is to show us how powerful and great God is, but how much He loves us and He is paying attention and He is aware of what we're going through. And I, I've heard it said a thousand times, too, that God is a debtor to no man, meaning all these things that we feel like we're doing and uh, being obedient to God and, you know, saying, God, I'm trusting you, and it looks like, you know— <laughs> Uh, everybody's winning, you know, it looks like all the bad girls get the cute guys and all the, you know, people that are cheating gets the best jobs. And, you know, it it just looks like because we're in this world, we often think, well, because this is, you know, Satan is in control, this is not, you know, God is not really being honored or in the position of where he is. But, you know, we read Revelation and we win. And that's the whole book of yeah. Revelation. And so I think that for us, as we look at our lives, and as we talked about last week of where we are in our lives, and not maybe we feel like God has forgotten us, we feel like obedience hasn't always been the winner, doing the right thing hasn't always won, Your just stories not over with. And I think—
1: Well, I think that's—yeah, like— That's huge. I, I, I love that with Mordecai of how he— saw that like he Mm -hmm. saw for mordecai i don't think it doesn't seem like he really thought on this side of heaven that he would see it he Mm -hmm. probably hoped that he would but it just seems like he's always concerned more concerned about god's bigger story than his own Mm -hmm. which i think is such a huge thing that i am really not great at that perspective but like, it just doesn't seem like he's, you know, like you said, he probably was watching the gallows being built, mm-hmm. and he probably thought, I probably will die on mm-hmm. those. Mm-hmm. But I know that God is going to spare the Jewish people somehow or another. I hope he uses Esther. I hope he uses me. He may not. I may not see on the side of heaven how God is going to redeem this situation. And I think by God's grace,
0: yeah. God
1: allowed. And I think that's another thing of, like, just the humility of we get to be a part of what God is doing. Mm-hmm. He does not have to use us, you no. know, and, but he does. And it's just so gracious and loving for him because like how amazing that is that, I mean, Mordecai, says at the end of, the, of Esther, Mordecai is like, I think you touched on it, that he is, mm-hmm. you know, honored throughout all the Jewish, um I don't know, times. <laughs> I don't know that's the right word. <laughs> all the Jewish but people. he but, was, yeah, he, he's recognized Yeah, to this day, like Mm -hmm. he, because it was, like I said, like there's just, it's a really heavy story if you think Mm -hmm. about it, because it is, it it was an annihilation that was coming. It wasn't just like one little battle. I mean, they were going to wipe out the Jews. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really big deal. And of course, Esther is a huge part of it too. Mm -hmm. But I just think that it's, um, I don't know. There's just, there's so much, like I've said. But yeah, I think just the fact of how Mordecai was just always. mm -hmm. Like, if I see on this side of heaven how God turns it around, great. I know he'll turn around somehow, but he just was more concerned about God's bigger story and—or more focused, maybe it's a better way to say it.
0: You know, I think for me, I'm sitting here thinking about the cross and how, you know, that was the ultimate of uh, defeat for Satan. I know that in Revelation, uh, he will be totally defeated and not be able to have— you know, this earth where he is deceiving and destroying, you know, God's name among the world. But but I look at the cross, and I think, you know, on that Friday, it would be like that night where the king couldn't sleep. It looked dark. Esther knew, Uh like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. You know, I think that would be like the Friday night of when Jesus was being crucified and how it was dark. And now, you know, the, the disciples looked, and they're like, well, our king is dead, or I thought he was God, and everybody's, you know, running and they're afraid and they're scared. How's this going to turn out? And I'm sure that Esther thought, you know, if I perish, I perish. I may die, like Mordecai was thinking. You know, if I die, I die, but I'm going to be faithful to God. And I think it's that Friday night of where it looks like Satan wins, and and then there's Sunday, and God walks right out. And I think that was. At that banquet, you know, where they turned to Esther and said, "Who's trying to kill the Jewish people?" Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, Can
1: you imagine Haman's face? Uh, yeah. yeah. And she's uh, like, "Actually, this guy."
0: I know. And the yeah. fact that he had to put the robe that Haman thought that he was going to be wearing onto Mordecai—you talk about slap in your face—and I think that as we are faithful, slap to in Haman's face. Yeah. yeah. I think as we're faithful to God, that God's going to redeem our names, that God's going to, you know, do what is the right thing. And we don't do it to get the glory. We don't do it to, you know, be, you know, applauded or anything like that. I mean, we want God to be applauded. But I do believe that God does bless obedience. And I do believe that Mm -hmm. over time, that what you may feel like people think that you are doing the wrong thing or you're stupid or you know, you're trusting in God and that's just ridiculous. God's not been faithful to you. You know, you hear all those things. Mm-hmm. We just have to look at the cross and go, Nope, I know.
1: Yeah. That God is very faithful. Well, I I just wanna say this last week at my Bible study, one of the girls said, I don't remember, I think we were talking about John 15 the vine and the branches mm-hmm. I don't remember but she was she said obedience is like God's love language mm-hmm. like that you know he it's that expression of love and I, I really love that and I when you were thinking about that of how the importance of like it is not this like you know I mean to obey God is to love him mm-hmm. it's not this and so I think yeah like I just re- was reminding remembering that of obedience is like God's love language. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, Dot Bowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.